0: Welcome back to the second season of the UX Research Club, the podcast that is dedicated to the rising field of user research. This is Emmanuel, your host. With issue four, it is for everyone, actually. Everyone interested in UX, product development, digital transformation. Whether you are working in a large organization or for a startup, this podcast is for you. You can also find a lot of information about user research by reading my book, Practical User Research, which covers how to integrate user research to your product development. Details will be in the description of this podcast. I would like to say a big thank you to all of you which have been encouraging me and sending me messages of support following the first season release. And I can see that the UX Research Club is getting more and more listeners. This podcast is not only to evangelize UX research, but also to support the UX research community. I'm doing this on the side of my current work and it takes quite a bit of time and energy to create, record, edit and release the episode. So if you like or if you want to support the UX Research Club, you can start by giving some stars. We really love stars. You can also talk to your colleagues, friends and team members about the UX Research Club. You can also write a review and share it on your social media, inviting people to listen to it. And you can also buy me a coffee The link is in the description of the podcast. In the last episode, we looked at how to prepare your research plan and what categories need to be integrated into it, including the method you want to use. Now that you have decided on the method you want to use, which participant or respondent you want to access to uh, for your research. And without forgetting the objective and the research question, you want to get some answers. You now need to start organizing and planning your data collection, analyzing your data, as well as sharing your finding insight with your stakeholders. The episode today is about how to run your research project. It will be in two parts because we have so much to cover. The first part will be about the analytic as a starting point, Preparing your discussion guide will touch base on the participant recruitment, also getting ready to run your session, as well as the importance of saving and storing your data. The second part, the second episode, will be about analyzing your data, extracting uh, important findings, relating them to your objective and your important research question, as well as preparing and sharing your findings. Let's start with the data collection and uh, let's start with the analytics. In my opinion, it is uh, the starting point, uh, if you have them, of course. If your product is not yet developed, you may not have any analytics at your disposal. However, if your product is already live, you should, in theory, have some kind of analytics. In general, analytics will answer how many users have used your service, product, and specific section of your website, platform, or product. The best friend of the UX researcher should be the analytics people, and they can provide the data that you need, especially if you are working in a large organization. In smaller organizations, you may use Google Analytics or other ways to capture data. It will really depend on whether or not your product is web-based on an app or on a platform. Let me give you some examples. I used one of these examples in a previous episode, but it's such a great one which I keep using it. While I was working for a gaming company years ago, I was looking at my account section of their website. The business wanted to update the design, which was a bit outdated, to be honest. What jumped directly into my eyes when I looked at the analytics was that the data show a lack of activity on deposits and withdrawal, which was a bit strange for a transactional site. How do you expect people to place a bet if they don't put money into their account? I asked the data analyst to extract the activities for the last three months to make sure that the issue of lack of activities was constant, not just a one off. The data really show the lack of activity. So now we were ready to answer the next question, which is why. Let me give you another example. While I was conducting some research for a snack box company, we also looked at the conversion rate, how many transactions were made. We were also looking at the click-through rate. Again, we identified that very little transactions were completed for giving a box to a friend. We needed to understand the why. The new offering didn't generate any revenue or very little revenue. You can use also analytics while running an experiment when testing a new product during a private beta to see how many people register, login, reset their password and complete a transaction as a guest versus someone with an account. You can also look at the cost per order and what the top item that people are buying. You can also look at how many people are using the feature or any other question which are related to how many, how much to see the activity. When I was working for the government, British government, and when we launched the Universal Credit, even if the service was developed mobile first, at first we could see that most of the end users were using a laptop or a desktop to register to the new service. But when they were onboarded, we could see a clear switch to mobile devices I would recommend, if it is possible, of course, to try to get the analytics first before starting any qualitative research. I know that the data are not always of a very good quality, but it is always a good starting point. And I personally find that analytics help me to get a better understanding of what is happening and help me to shape the rest of the research. Once you have the analytics and you can see how many and how much, now, what you want to understand is the why, and the what, and how. This is when the qualitative approach is needed. This could include user testing, in-depth interview, contextual inquiries, diary study, etc., cetera, et cetera, When you plan to collect qualitative data, whether it is by doing in-depth interview, user testing, or contextual inquiry, et cetera, you will have to prepare a discussion guide. Why is your discussion guide important? It will help you to have a clear process, description of the task, flow, question that you want to get some answers, and task that you want your participant to follow. Your discussion guide, it could be on a Word document or a Google sheet. It's a way how to stay on track on what you want to do through your session. Sometime, I add a screenshot into my discussion guide that help me to stay on track and see with a very quick gaze to my discussion guide where we are into the prototype. When you are running your session, the session is conversational, which means that you are having a conversation with your participant. So sometimes you can't cover all the questions that you have in your discussion guide. You have to reword them, or you just have to use what the participant is saying to actually answer your questions. So this is why I tend to add the themes that I want to cover, so it's a much natural way to actually extract the insight from your participant. Simultaneously, when you are preparing your discussion guide, you should start recruiting your participant. This can be done through an agency or internally. I invite you to listen to the episode 5 and 6 of season 1, which are dedicated to the participant and the participant recruitment. In order to prepare my session, I tend to follow a checklist to make sure I don't forget anything. There's so much to do before a session. So here is my to-do list. Get your discussion guide ready. Check the product that you are testing, the prototype or live products or early stream, etc. to make sure they are ready for the session. Recruit your participant. Create the link to Zoom, Teams, Google, whatever tools you are using to do a remote session if you are doing a remote session. If you are doing a lab session, make sure that the participant has the address and the plan to get there and make sure they arrive early so you are not delayed with all your participant session. Send the invitation to your participant with a personalized message. It is very important to actually make sure the participant really feel that they are important and they are highly valued. If you are doing a contextual inquiries, which mean to do a field work in a specific environment, make sure that you know where you are going to meet the participant and have the address ready. Check the transport, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, so you are not late for your session. Check your equipment. Make sure then your computer is ready, is fully charged. Make sure then you have everything ready: discussion guide, the prototype is ready, or the access to the live product. You have your uh, internet access, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you need to check all the technical uh, equipment. Make sure, yes, like I said earlier, you are fully charged. Test your microphone, test your video camera, etc., etc. Get your consent form and your NDA ready. There is different ways of doing it. Uh, more and more, we can ask a participant to sign the consent form and the NDA before they start the session. Get your incentive and payment uh, organized because the participants are going to expect to get an incentive. If you have designer, PM, or stakeholders observing the session, make sure that you explain the observation etiquette. What do I mean by observation etiquette? It is a do and don't during a session. You do not want the observer to start asking questions during your session. They can't interrupt you during your session. They can send you a message on Slack or on Teams or on your communications channel while the researcher is conducting the research but they need to be off camera and mute themselves. At some point, the researcher will ask them if they have any question, and the researcher will reword the question to be understood for the participant to get the best insight. Set up an after session debrief with your stakeholders, with the designers, the PM, etc., etc. Generally 15 minutes right after the session with the observer to discuss the session and to get their observation. Note, it is very important to proofread carefully and ensure that all the necessary details are included to your to-do list to avoid any oversight or mistake during your testing process. So have a quick read before the day before your session to make sure you are all set. On the day of your data collection, make sure that you are on time and that you have turned off all the notifications on your devices. If you do mobile testing and you're using your phone, switch off all your notifications. If you are conducting a home visit, sometimes it is not possible to have a camera, but images and audio files can also be useful. So make sure you get all the authorization from your participant. You can have support from a note taker during your session. Ask the people who are available to take notes during your session, especially if you are doing cross-cultural sessions with people who speak another language. Try to have the native language note taker to take notes with you. doesn't matter if it's not a researcher. The main thing is we've got someone who can capture the insight. If you go to do some home visits, one thing I would really recommend, is to have someone to come with you, to accompany you, if you are conducting a home visit or a contextual inquiry. Firstly, it is safer for the research not to be alone. Secondly, you can bring with you a designer, a project manager, or anyone in the team to experience the contextual inquiry. It can be very illuminating and have an extra set of pair of eyes. Now that you are all set to collect your data, just before your session with your participant. Last little check, breathe, relax, and remember not to lead your question. Listen, be attentive to the non cues, and make pause to make sure the participant has the time to think and to answer. Now, starting the session, once your participant arrive, you greet your participant, try to be friendly, and offer some water or a drink. Make sure your participant is comfortable. Small talk is always a good start to break the ice. Provide some breaks with the session if you think your participant is to rest. Do not forget to record your session if you have the consent of your participant, of course. Yes, it happens. And I think it happened to so many people. Then we start the session and we completely forgot to record the session. And generally... It is with a very good participant. So please, please, please put a post-it, do something, but just remember to record your session. Talking about consent form, you can send it before, like I mentioned it earlier. Ask your participant to sign it. A DocuSign or similar service, sometimes the recruitment agency is taking care of it. I would recommend then when you start your session, you ask again your participant if they are happy to be recorded you can listen the episode 5 and 6 of season 1 which are dedicated to the participant and include information about ethics this is very important to respect the consent of your participant if you are doing a contextual inquiry you won't be able to look at your discussion guide all the time it is sometimes a bit tricky to keep track on what you want to cover If you are going through a busy environment, such as a trading floor, an operating theater, a cockpit, a courier hub, a shop, a restaurant, etc., the environment is so busy that you may get distracted from the main objective of your research. I will recommend to keep a list of the main topics that you would like to cover. The session will be more conversational, of course, and the observation of any cues in the surrounding environment will have a direct impact on how you will be interpreting your data later on. During a contextual inquiries or fieldwork, it is not always possible to record a video. So what is asked, I will recommend, is you ask to record the audio. It will help you to remember what happened during the session. I would also recommend that you take pictures, make notes, maybe some drawing on a notebook. This could be quite powerful uh, during your presentation of your findings. You may find that it can be quite uh, powerful to provide the context to your stakeholders. Same as with the remote or lab testing on the day, I would recommend that you arrive early and be ready well in advance. You have to recheck your equipment, verify that the participant is expecting you, and recheck the address or where you are going to go to. Recording your data. So, I did touch base on it, but it is very important to make sure you record your data. It could be video, screen capture, audio, note taking, images, etc. I personally find that taking notes at the same time that moderating a session can sometimes be challenging. It may also impact the quality of your session and the quality of the data that you are capturing. Because when you are taking the note, if your participant is still talking, you are not listening to your participant and you are just concentrating on taking the note. So the data are not real time. Secondly, you lose the contact with your participant. You want to stay engaged with your participant if you want your participant to give you insight. You need to read in between what the people are saying. So I will really recommend that you give the full attention to your session and the conversation and the interaction you're having with your participant while you rely on someone else to take notes or to record your session, if it's possible, so you can go back to your data later on. Saving your data, this is a very important topic, because if you don't save your data, you won't be able to go back to it, so you won't be able to analyze your data. So nowadays, it's much easier than it was in the past. I remember having some external hard drive to carry everywhere because I didn't have enough storage onto, into my laptop when I was doing session. So now it's much better. But you need to have internet connected and make sure you don't have any issues. Make sure as well you got enough space into your computer in case you can't put it directly into the cloud. You may be able to save it on your computer and then transfer it to the cloud. Be very careful. You need also to secure your data if you want to be compliant following the GDPR. This is another very important topic, which I discussed during the episode five and six in the season one. You do not want the whole organization to have access to the raw data. You, as a researcher, you are accountable. This is your responsibility to make sure the raw data are secure and anonymized. This leads us to naming the data. As mentioned above, the data needs to be anonymized, edit the video, and camouflage any information related to the identity of your participant. You have to do it. Even if it's a bit of a pain to do it, you really have to do it. So how do you name your data? So what I do, I can only share what I'm doing, but normally I name the project or use the initial of the project. Then I put Participant 1, Participant 2, Participant 3, etc. and the date. This helps me to be able to retrieve the data if it's needed. What I do as well is I create a separate Excel document in which I have the name of the participant, I have the participant number, P1, P2, P3, P4, etc. etc., as well as the date of uh, the session. This Excel document should be in a separate folder and password protected. This will help me to retrieve the data if needed. This is very rare, but sometimes participants may come back to you and ask you to delete the data. So you should be able to do it. You don't want to spend hours and hours just trying to relocate the participant raw data. Another question which has been asked several times, it's about how long could you keep your data? This is a very important question because I don't know many organizations who have some rules in place for how long we can keep research data. So I will firstly recommend them to check with your organization if you have a Department of Data Protection Office or if you have any data protection or, or privacy people or legal department in your organization to ask them what is the internal rule. But the second thing which I will recommend is you should be able to judge how long do you need the data for. Do you really need the data for more than a year? I'm not quite sure. So what I will recommend and what I try to do is after one year is to delete the data, delete the raw data and don't have any traceability of those data. I've seen some organizations we kept data which were more than 10 years old. Why do they keep this data? No one is going to go back to the data. So I think it's very important to actually put some rules as uh, different people in an organization, like the head of research, director of research, manager, research manager, they are accountable if there is any issue with the data. So I will highly recommend to put some rules in place. So today's episode is coming to the end. Um, It was the first part of running my research project. We looked at the importance of the analytics as a starting point. We looked at as well of how to prepare the discussion guide and why it is important. We also cover when we need to start recruiting the participant and refer to also the episode five and six of season one, which are dedicated to the participant recruitment and related topics. We talk about running the qualitative session, and we also discuss the data storage and related topics to data protection. I hope you find this overview useful. Next episode will be on analyzing the data, extracting the main findings, preparing the presentation and sharing it with your stakeholders. Thank you for listening and see you in the next episode. Have a great day. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode today and if you have any question or a topic you would like me to cover you can contact me on info at uxresearchclub.com you can also find a lot of information about user research by reading my book practical user research which covers how to integrate user research into your product development detail will be in the description of this podcast and finally if you want to support the ux research club please share it with your network on social media, or please write a review or give me some stars. I'll see you next week for a new episode and thank you for listening and goodbye.